Hello, friends, and thank you for joining me once again for another episode of the My Big Fat Mouth Vodcast. We're here once again for another sit down with a lovely special guest. Uh, this person who I'm going to be sitting down with today is a, a new entrant to the Warhammer hobby. Um, they had some experience previously, which we'll get into when we get into the meat of Vodcast itself, just on the sort of painting side of miniatures, but very minimal. They're brand new to the actual hobby side, straight into 40k, collecting one of my favorite armies, a really, really cool army that I'm so enthusiastic about. So it was a really, really fun chat and quite a unique perspective. We've not managed to get anyone on the show so far who, you know, has that sort of fresh-faced kind of approach to the game. So it was very, very cool to see that. So folks, get ready for it. We're going to get into it. This is the latest episode of My Big Fat Mouth. I'll see you in the main footage, I guess. Didn't think that one through. So, Sam, welcome to the show. Finally got you here. Hello. How you doing? How you doing? Welcome, welcome. Have a seat, take a look around, get yourself comfortable. Um, what I'd love to do to start off with is if you could just introduce yourself to the beautiful people watching this video for me. Tell them what you're all about, who you are, where you come from, all that kind of thing. Hello. Uh, my name's Sam. I also go by Sneal on the internet quite a lot. Um, I am a magic podcaster, I guess. You're a great um, magic podcaster. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I have a podcast with my friend Joe called Arab Devastation, where we talk about everything Magic the Gathering related, which at the moment is a lot. Uh, there's a lot going on, a lot to talk about, uh, a lot to process. Um, but I'm kind of, kind of losing touch with magic a bit at the moment, Yeah, unfortunately, because... Yeah. I mean, the general state of the world, I suppose. Um, Absolutely, yeah. It's hard yeah. to stay invested in anything right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, that's why I've kind of picked up picked up Warhammer as a hobby. And <laughs> and I sort of, from my perspective, um, you being a brand new Warhammer player mm -hmm. is kind of great for me because we haven't had anyone on the show yet who is just straight. <laughs> brand new to the hobby, no real experience, so to speak, off prior. So it's a perspective that I really wanted to kind of get on the show because I think there's a lot of things that you'll maybe think and feel about the hobby that are going to be quite different to some of us who are, you know, just kind of a bit more long in the tooth and been doing it for ages and kind of take it all for, for granted. And so it's going to be pretty rad to have you here. Um, okay. With that said, seeing as we now have established the fact that you are, in fact, a Warhammer hobbyist, uh -huh. Can I ask you, uh, as we steamroll into our first topic, what have you been up to? Uh, so, uh, what do you, what have you been up to, mate? What have you been up to? Um, I have been painting a lot. Painting uh, a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not technically new to the hobby. I no. painted, um, I painted some wood elves stuff, um, just before Age of Sigmar. Um, because I thought the models were cool. And um, am, I right, am I right in my understanding that you got into the hobby back then purely from a sort of miniature painting angle? It was like a, more of a sort of artistic thing for you. You enjoyed the yeah, minis definitely. and... Right. So this is your first time collecting with any intention of playing? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, right. You say you've been aggressively painting. What <laughs> have you been painting? I've been um, painting a 500-point Gene Sturkle army. Mm. Um, so I'm just gonna. I've got it all in front of me. The stuff, the last stuff I needed uh, arrived yesterday. 
So I spent last night building it, and it's all sprayed and primed. And now I'm really trying to get it just painted so I can... Because, I mean, I can play with just, you know, um, base-coated models. Yeah, no, no one really I'd cares. Really like to, yeah, exactly, but I'd really like to have them have them done, so I've just been trying to paint yeah. what I've got. Um, like, 12 more models I have to do. It's, it's, a uh, good, it's a good standard to set for yourself, I think, because, like, we... In the Warhammer community, there was a lot of bashing when they spoke about this new rule in 9th edition where you actually get, like, bonus victory points for having a painted army. And a lot of people were like, that's bullshit, that's bullshit. Mm. But on the flip side of that, the main kind of source of pride that we have in our armies, you know, like, in Magic, if you've got, like, that fully foiled deck, you feel really fucking proud of it, right? Yeah, Which absolutely. I know you have one, so I know that. <laughs> right, yeah. so you get it. Um, yeah. It's kind of the same thing with our Warhammer armies. Like, we have that that little extra serotonin spike of pride when we put the army on the table, and it's all nicely painted miniatures that we put a lot of time and effort into. And yeah, so I think, you know, setting that standard for yourself from the go is a really, really yeah. smart thing to do because it kind of sets you up to continue doing that as you collect and expand. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's just something I've really enjoyed as well. Because uh, I think, you know, getting into it... Um, I wanted to play because you know I've, I've got a few friends who had started playing mm-hmm. uh, friends who I'd made through through magic who had also kind of fallen off magic a bit and they all started playing Warhammer um, specifically 40k and I was like oh, I can't really you know I don't really have time for that which is a stupid thing to say considering, <laughs> considering we <laughs> I have, have all the time in the world right <laughs> exactly now. yeah um, and, you know, I guess it's expensive and it's a whole new thing to learn and you know I've spent so much of my time learning about magic do I have time to devote to another hobby? Um, and then they all started painting and like posting uh, pictures and stuff they painted in the in the in the group chats and stuff. And I was like, I really want to do that because I did really enjoy the painting. Like I said, the first time I got it's... into it, I just wanted to paint some stuff. I think um, it, if, if you're one of the people that kind of um, has that sort of magpie part to your brain, where just like you see something pretty and you just want it, you want to yeah. own it because it's beautiful to look at. Yeah, and absolutely. Warhammer just suckers so many people in with with that characteristic. Yeah, it's just being around loads of people that are talking about it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you see, it's infectious, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it's I've really enjoyed painting. Just it's something I can do with my time when I'm just sitting here. Because uh, obviously, my hobby before was magic, where I had to go out and leave the house and do something and play with people, and I can't do that now. Yeah. Um, so this is the hobby that I can do that in the future, and you know, it's kind of safe to play games of 40k against someone if you're you know social distancing and stuff yeah i mean you know uh, the tables are the tables are you know four foot apart so you should always be like more than a meter away from your opponent anyway yeah, if you're both wearing masks both wearing gloves and you know being careful not to get in each other's personal space i think you can play a pretty safe game of warhammer yeah definitely so that's that can scratch that itch and also it's something i can actually do with my time that isn't just sure. sitting and watching youtube <laughs> so, so in, indulge me from a curiosity perspective because as you know uh gene Steeler cults the army that you're collecting happens to be an army that i really really want to start as well uh, uh i want to do the whole mad max road warrior thing and just play cars and bikes and have a real good time uh so tell me what give me a rough overview of the army list you know what you've painted so far and what you've still got to get painted so I've got them in front of me. So I have uh, five aberrants, mm-hmm. which are painted. Um, a magus, which is painted. Uh, some I've got three uh, hybrid acolytes, acolyte hybrids, uh, with pistols. Uh, two with mining saws, the buzz saws. Yeah, heavy rock um, saws. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, and then the acolyte leader. <clears throat> and then I have uh, eight neophytes. Uh, just the, the bog standard neophytes, two neophytes with mining lasers, one with a grenade launcher, a neophyte leader, and a ridge runner. 
I think that's it. I think that's everything. So you've already managed to get a Rick Runner painted as well? No, not painted. Because oh, you know I want to see that. As soon as you get one painted, you know I want to see it. Oh yeah, well that's going to be my next one because I've got I've got five neophytes that I'm doing at the moment just batch painting those and then I'm going to try... I really hate doing vehicles. Because oh. uh, oh. I, I really like... Because it's, you know, talk about like painting little uh, like little humanoid figures. Yeah, for sure. It's easier to for me because I don't have big like big parts to cut to paint. So um, sort of little detail bits. Have you ever heard of? Uh, right, this is this is where I'm going to struggle to find it now, isn't it? Have you ever heard of this stuff? Uh, there's the camera that you're looking at. Is that the camera that you're looking at? That is not the camera I'm looking at. No, uh, the camera that you're looking at is there. So I have to hold it there for you. Uh, This is Viejo chipping medium. And when you're painting vehicles, this stuff Mm -hmm. will make you look like 20 times the painter you've ever dreamed of being. Basically, all you do is spray the vehicle dark brown, because obviously you want like rusty metal underneath it, like you want it to look all chippy and stuff. So you spray your vehicle dark brown, and then you apply dots of that chipping medium all over the vehicle. Just little yeah. dots of it. Let it dry. And then you, again, spray the entire vehicle again over that brown paint with whatever you want the finished painted color to be. You let that dry. Then you grab a toothbrush and just start attacking the miniature. And everywhere that that chipping medium is, it doesn't let the paint adhere. So it produces real natural weathering and chips. And it just, Sweet. It, it literally just takes like 10 minutes and it looks way better than you could ever paint it. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that's um, the uh, secret yeah. source for Gene Steeler Colt's vehicles. Yeah, can you send me a link to that stuff? I will, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll you can get it off yeah, Amazon. Yeah. It's not expensive, so... Oh, amazing. I'll send you a um, link over. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've got an example somewhere of something that I sprayed silver and then yeah. did a paint job over it and then chipped back to the silver. So I can probably show you what it looks like as well. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's kind of intimidating, but I'm looking forward to giving it a go because I've been painting neophytes for a while Yeah, and they're getting kind of boring. It's a, so. it's a good palette cleanser. It's a real yeah, good absolutely. palette cleanser. I, yeah, I'm not um, far off. What, what I tend to do is when I um, start about an army project, I'll sort of have a rough idea of the list and I'll start to buy kind of the main sort of blocks of troops and the main kind of characters and vehicles and stuff. And, you know, if there's little ancillary things, I kind of leave them to last, little flex slots and that sort of thing. But, but the main bulk of the army, I'll sort of buy mostly up front. Um, and what I'll do is say if there's like, uh, I don't know, four vehicles, two characters in the list, and then, you know, 50 troops, whatever. What I'll do is like every six troops that I paint, I'll treat myself to a vehicle or a character as a palette cleanser to keep me motivated. And I find it's a great method for just not letting yourself get too bogged down in that, like, oh, for fuck's sake, I've got so much (laughs) left to paint. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the joys of doing a 500 point army. Yeah, of uh, course, yeah. Cause it, cause it's quite, I mean, I guess Gene Siddicolts are kind of a few more models than other 500 yeah, yeah. But um, it's what we've uh, we've all decided as like as a group to start playing, because, I mean, to be fair, I need to learn how to play the game properly <laughs> of course. to start with. And and so we're starting with 500 points. The lovely thing about Combat Patrol as well is, like, you can play it on a coffee table. It's a small yeah. board, so, you know, <laughs> it, it's not like other forms of Warhammer where you need this vast gaming table. I mean, I know, obviously, the tables have got a little bit smaller now, but for all intents and purposes, we're still playing our 2,000-point games on a roughly 6 by 4 foot table, which is a lot of space. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been it's been quite easy to get through this, knowing that, because before when I was painting, I've got a, a shoebox full of 
half painted wood elf stuff. Right. Because I, I wasn't painting for a purpose. I was for just sure. like, oh, I'll paint this because it looks nice. And then I, I have no attachment to it. But with this, it's like, once I get these done, I have like an army that I can actually use. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, as you start to play games with them, you kind of bond with them as well. It's really yeah, bizarre. It's really, it's really, really also, bizarre. I do also have a lot more random uh, Jeans to the Cult models in my wardrobe. Excellent. I just have put for when I need to, you know, increase the size of the army. So you, you've already started different. planning for the next phase then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I get into a hobby street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if you, if you don't jump in with both feet, then, you know, what are you even doing? What are you even well, doing? Exactly, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I've got a lot of options as well, which is nice. Nice. Okay, um, so I think we're probably kind of naturally segue in this way anyway. So let's move on to section two of the podcast. Uh, this is oh. where I ask you, what are you high on right now? <sighs> yeah, what am I high on right now? I mean, mainly plastic glue. Um, I've just been, like, You've been sniffing it, or yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I just, I kind of forget to open the windows and stuff, and it's just I'm, I'm putting a lot of stuff together. Um, I, I don't know. Like it, it's kind of it, it's been weird uh, getting into 40k as a hobby because I'm so used to knowing everything about hobby. Mm -hmm. Like I only have one other hobby, right? Really, which is magic. And, um, and let's be and real, you know, not to not to try and uh, inflate your ego, but you're a very knowledgeable magic player. You kind of have to be to be a podcaster. Yeah, I like to think so, yeah. You well, know, I like, you've I... got to know shit about the thing that you're making content about. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, like, I, uh, I, I jumped into both into that with both feet, you know, like... Absolutely, you know, yeah. Magic was my thing. Um, I was there from the I... start, I remember. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and I, I just, I know so much about it, and I wanted to know so much about it, and was just interested in knowing every aspect of it, um, whether it was relevant to the games I was playing or whatever. Um... But when I started playing Magic, I was, I, I didn't know anything. I really, I didn't really know there was content. To be fair, like seven years ago, there wasn't that much content on the internet. No, true enough. It was mainly, uh, mainly like Terrarian Community College, and that was pretty much it. Seven years ago, the only real Magic content that I consumed would have been Channel Fireballs videos and Michael Jacobs' stream. Yeah, that and was then it. You look at it, yeah, and you look at it now, and like it's exploded. Yeah, yeah, yeah like. Has, Everyone and their dogs making magic content these days. Exactly, it's yeah. crazy. I, I, I have a podcast and I'm not like a big name or anything, but you know, there's so much content to consume. Mm -hmm. um, I was able to get into it in like dribs and drabs. And now coming to a different hobby, there's about the same amount of content for 40k. And there's just so much to look at. And, and, and so the thing is, I think 40k, like magic is kind of, in a sense, it's microcosmic because like whilst, you know, whilst if we're playing casually, um, we might have preferences to certain colors or creature types or spell types or things like that. For the most part, when we consume our magic content, what we what we tend to be looking for is like what's good. Yeah. So, so we kind of don't care about um, what color cards the player is playing or anything like that. We we only really care about like the performance and and you know is is the play style of the deck something that we're interested in that kind of shit. Whereas. With Warhammer, like, you choose your allegiance kind of from day one, right? You sort of, you take yeah. a little dip into the lore of each of these armies and you kind of find which one you relate to the most. Yeah, and absolutely. then you're, you're aligned with that army kind of from day one. And so the content that you're sort of sifting for, you're trying to find the stuff that's relevant to your army that's going to help you understand what you're trying to achieve. And, and I think, you know, Warhammer being so wide and varied like that, I mean, like... I'm, I'm starting a Tau army at the moment, for example, and um, 
Obviously, 9th edition is fairly new, but Tau in 8th edition were one of the most popular armies. They were incredibly popular. Yeah. Going into 9th edition now, you look on YouTube, there aren't that many battle reports featuring Tau at the moment for 9th edition that are actually relevant for 9th edition. And the set that I want to play of Tau, literally one. One battle yeah. report so far is what I can find for 9th edition yeah. for my yeah. set. You know, so it's like you really do have to have this, this mind to be able to process content and tear, you know pick it apart and kind of find what you need out of it which i think coming in as a new player is maybe a bit daunting i mean to be fair i did just type in jeans to the cops on youtube and see what came up of course yeah uh, <laughs> which is you know a lot but it's i mean it's it's fun to just look through stuff and watch half a video and be like oh this isn't really my kind of content or this isn't exactly what i'm looking for maybe this is a bit advanced of course to me. Um, I found some really interesting lore videos <laughs> about um, about Gene Cults, which were uh, interesting. But I mean, people put a lot of work into some of their content, um, which is amazing. Have you, but... um, have you treated yourself to any Black Library yet? No, not yet. Do you have an Audible account? No. <laughs> Man, do you know what? <laughs> I'm going to get that sponsorship at some point. So oh, sure. if, you, if you sign up for uh, an Audible account, it's like $7.99 a month. Um, and you get a free book every month. And now Gene Steeler Colts are not the most represented in the law, but obviously there's a lot of kind of just historic reading that you can do, kind of stuff that yeah, shapes yeah. the galaxy, especially like Horus Heresy and stuff like that. Um, but there does happen to be, there's a Space Marine Conquests book that, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it has an Imperial Fist on the front of it. And the whole book is Gene Steeler Colts versus Imperial Fists. So you right. do actually have a whole audio novel that is entirely centered around your faction versus another faction so that could be a good okay. source of somewhere to kind of get a bit of inspiration and yeah definitely i mean i mean i, I know i know quite a bit about them now because i've been so interested in them i mean there's a reason i picked them right like i'm not just going to go in blind I, absolutely I yeah. enough picking them um but yeah it's just like finding so much different stuff and and just learning a new hobby that, that actually has sort of i guess kind of transferable skills in the painting i guess it's kind of you know um useful in some way but it's like learning something completely new it's not just like picking up another card game no, no, no. i could go i could go pick up pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh, not that i want to but i could go pick <laughs> up like that and it's it's very similar but this is like very different yeah absolutely um, the, the way you analyze play patterns and, and board states and it, it's all it has nothing in common with magic yeah absolutely and it, it, it seems like i can kind of just do what i want because i'm not yeah. particularly interested at least at this point in playing competitively in any kind of way right um, but it it feels like I can just do what I want, whereas, like you said, with Magic, like because of how into it I was, apart from Commander, um, there's no real way to play it sort of the casual, fun, friends hanging out kind of way. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that that's something that I found with 40k. Is we can and just do what I think we want. you know, even in Commander these days, you know, Commander has become so mainstream now that it's becoming almost accidentally the the more competitively minded people and the more casually minded people are almost, ha you know, the, the format is almost sort of homogenizing from those two very separate angles. And and, and even Commander is, you know, it, it's not a guarantee of a good time anymore. Like it, it perhaps oh, once was. Yeah, um, and I mean, I think these are the Coast are actively trying to ruin the format. Printing um, <laughs> like, a bunch of like all includes and really powerful cards. And it's like, it's not the fun it once was. Yeah, um, yeah. Like everything, yeah. everything draws cards now. So it's like, there's no yeah, point exactly. in playing blue anymore. Yeah, it's just everything does everything and everything's really powerful. And I mean, even my decks, and like, I like to play Commander because it's fun and casual. That's why I play it instead of playing like Modern Legacy sometimes. But it's just, it feels a lot different to what got me into Magic in the first place. Even it's nice so, to have that for me about something else. I, I, I totally like it, is, it's getting pretty 
pretty ludicrous, and, and I definitely understand the being put off of off of magic angle. I mean, I mean like. I didn't want to interrupt you, but as we were talking about, you know, how everything does everything now, I, I saw yeah. a spoiler earlier today. At the time of filming this, it's the 3rd of September. Um, I saw a spoiler earlier today. Like, Black has a two-mana enchantment removal spell now. Like, it's what the, the fuck? Enchantment. Yeah, what the fuck? Because enough, enough commander players were like, oh, I can't, I can't destroy enchantments and I'm on a black deck. So like, oh, I guess we should try and make this part of Black's color. But it's like, no, Black did everything else. Don't let it have exactly. specifically um, I mean, I guess that's kind of good that Wizards of the Coast are listening to their community, but also they're... But don't listen to that community! Those are the people that will break the game! <laughs> exactly, like, I, it just... I guess, say, actively trying to ruin the format is a bit much, but, you know, the way that the way that magic works, they just have to, have to keep printing cards. Absolutely. Cards have to come out every yeah. year, they have yeah. to come out multiple times a year, and eventually they're just gonna fuck it. And, I mean, we've seen that happen in a lot of formats, and it's just bleeding over into the fun, casual this is just magic in its core sort of enjoyment phase. It's seeping into that. The thing is, there's, there's such a super fine line between keeping it interesting and keeping players <laughs> engaged and just pumping format after format full of cards that ruin it. Um, and, and, you know, and I do, I empathize with them to a degree because it is, it, it's a tightrope to walk and their job is not easy. Yeah. But then, like, they make it harder for themselves by printing fucking two-mana black enchantment removal, for example, or, like, red LD that fucking cantrips. Yeah. It's, it's like... That's stupid. Come on. That. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Red LD that cantrips, for fuck's sake. And it's like, it's, it doesn't even loot. Like, it actually just cantrips. Actually just draws cards. Yeah, it's... And that's been a thing for a while. They're just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, and to be fair, it's getting them just to keep up with. Yeah, uh, yeah. Spoiler mill and everything. And I, I think this is why... And forgive me if this sounds like I'm sensationalising a little, but I feel like we're seeing somewhat of an exodus of Magic players moving towards Warhammer at the moment. And in fact, I actually yeah. wrote an essay this morning about this and have since published both the essay and a recorded version of the essay, which I'll, I'll post links to in the video, this description, in case anyone's interested. Um, uh, you know, and I have some thoughts and feelings on on why this is happening from a from a cultural and philosophical perspective. But I also think, you know, just from a practical perspective, like, it's fucking hard to play Magic right now. It really is, yeah. This, this like, it, it is. With, with the game being so much more digital now, um, you know, things like uh, keyword tokens, for example, which I thought were ludicrous when I saw that they were being printed. But I guess with the percentage of the game that's being played digitally now, they probably aren't really, the impact is probably not really being felt so much. Um, we've recorded many episodes of the podcast talking about this, this, these things if, if you're interested, but it's just it's pushing all these things to online media, um, pushing everything onto Arena, mm -hmm. um, it's stuff like keyword counters and, and what have you, and the, the one that gets like a random counter at the beginning of each combat step. Or wait, it's stuff that's just a, a mutate as a mechanic, just it works so much cleaner online. Yeah. And it feels like Paper Magic is being pushed away. And then also, you literally can't play Paper Magic at the moment because of the world. Uh, and because of pushing, the world exactly and they're just pushing uh, the power level of everything so it becomes uh, less fun to play magic generally and it's just all of these things adding on top of each other that just have pushed so many people away from it and that I mean that's what's happened to, to all my friends who have started playing Warhammer uh, they've been falling out of love with magic this is kind of the point as well is this is not just um, your opinion in a vacuum you know I, yeah. I say like from my perspective it looks like an exodus 
yeah. there there is a a consensus among quite a large group of magic players at the moment that the release structure the power level of the game the the mechanical design of the game at the moment all of these things just make it so much less attractive right now yeah and i guess this explains a lot why people are so high yourself included on stuff like warhammer because it's like such a breath of fresh air yeah it really is Definitely. you know i, I mean Look at, you know, we, we've just had an edition change at the moment, which is probably the biggest shake-up that ever happens during 40k. You know, each time there's an edition change, that's, you know, it's it's imagine like in Magic if all the sets in Standard rotated out at once and like four new sets came in or something. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that yeah. kind of level of event. And even still, we are you know, mere weeks into a new edition and like people know what they're doing again. They're comfortable again. They're starting to have ideas again. Imagination is starting to to work because it's just so much easier to settle down when you get to pick how much you need to focus on. You don't need to know everything about everything. You just get to kind of pick your poison and you just learn the stuff that's relevant to you and have a good time with it. And I think, you know, for Magic players, that's got to be, like, such a reprieve. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, it, it's one of the one of the things that's so attractive about the hobby is just you can get into it as much as you want, and there's no mm -hmm. real wrong way to engage with it. And they try and say that about Magic, and they, you know, Wizards are clearly trying to push that. But it's not true. <laughs> like, <laughs> all Magic is kind of similar. But with, with Warhammer, if you just wanted to, like I, like I did a few years ago, if you just want to sit and paint some models because they look cool, mm -hmm. because you think that the Wood Elf Tree Man is really cool, which it is. Uh, and you can you can just you can just do that if you really want to get into games and you just want a war game you can just glue them together do a shit job of it and just put them on a table and start playing games absolutely you can really get into the lore if you want there's, there's there's so many different ways to get into it that it's so much more attractive than magic which is all sort of similar it, it is it's, it's a game that just kind of offers you multiple avenues and says whichever ones you identify with take them and run with them enjoy them on your own level definitely and, and i don't think magic does do that you know i think magic conceptually you know by its very design wants you to be competitive it's it's a game that's been built from the ground up to be won not to be played yeah and <laughs> you know and, and that might that might sound like a, a bit of a, a, a disconnect somehow or, or you know like it's oversimplifying but what, what i mean by that is magic i mean like from the from the word go, anti was a thing in the game. You know, literally when they first laid down the very foundations of the game, their assumption was that you'd be betting on it. Yeah. You know, so so we have to sort of extrapolate from that that the the model that they were basing the game on was something more akin to poker than say chess or you know sort of family card games or. You know, they, 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 the, the intention was always for this game to be something that had stakes and was competitive. And every design step that we've seen over time, whether it was a misstep or, or you know, whether it was deliberate or whether it panned out or not, has always reinforced that. You know, even, even at FNM, you play for packs. There's, there's prizes yeah. even at the most casual organized play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's competition driven. Um, and you can't get away from that. You can try and make it as casual and fun and, you know, community orientated and everyone's just trying to have a good time, but it's just about winning the entire time. I think and a lot of the issue is that as soon as you have any desire to improve, you will seek out other players. And as soon as you seek out other players, you will find organized play. Yeah, 
absolutely. Of course, of course. I mean, that's how, that's the natural progression. That's what happened with me. Mm. I turned up and played in a university Magic the Gathering society, uh, which now that I think about it, it's a really weird concept. Um, but I played with them and they were really casual. Um, and then I was like, okay, maybe I want to get a bit better. And then you know, I met you guys pretty much from there. Yeah. And then went to went to tournaments and and started playing more professionally. Well, professionally, but properly, I guess. Yeah, more seriously. Um, yeah, and then moved on from there, and now, you know, I own legacy decks and modern decks and loads of commander decks and know pretty much everything there is to know about magic i mean if you if you disagree with this then please do say so but i would i would honestly say that if you pursue that very natural path with magic you know that very kind of passive route through the game the only two outcomes are achievement or disappointment yes there there is no there's no middle ground no of course not i mean that's you either do well or you do badly and it's really easy to assign personal feelings and emotions to that. Absolutely. Really and and to... your sense of self-worth, even. Yeah, absolutely. It's really easy to do well in a tournament and then do really badly for a bit and not do as well in the tournament as you want and, and feel really fitty about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's all just tied to that. And I mean, you know, I really enjoy playing Legacy, which is a competitive format, but I enjoy playing it because it's fun, not because it's competitive. Yeah. And there's a disconnect yeah. there, obviously. Like, Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole allure of Legacy for me has always just been, it's fucking wild. I get to play, like, yeah, yeah. fetches and jewel lands, and I can play fucking, you know, if, if, if I want to be the idiot with Snapcaster Mages and Tarmogoyfs, I can do that. Or if I want to, I can play fucking Dark Nets. It's like... You can win on turn one, or you can win on turn ten after grinding your opponent out. Like, yeah, it's, it's just this ridiculous laser fight yeah, what, what was that meme? It's like dinosaurs with lasers on their backs or something. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah you know, it's, it's it's pretty ridiculous. And so again, you know, pulling that back into into the original question, you know, we asked what you're high on right now, and I think the context of why you're so high on Warhammer makes so much sense to me because it's very much feelings that I suggest that I share with you. Um, so I I get it because like for me coming back to Warhammer and starting to take it more seriously. And even to the point now, you know, where I've started to kind of angle my career in that direction. Um, it feels just like coming home. It's very comfortable. It's very, it's very easy. It it, it doesn't feel like it's demanding anything of me and magic kind of always felt like it was demanding something of me. That's how I've been feeling, especially with, I mean, um, I don't know if you paid much attention to the big announcement they had on Monday. Um, where they announced everything that's coming in the next 12 months. I saw the little timeline. And that all these spoilers, and it's just so much to pass in one go. Yeah. And it's it's anxiety-inducing. It's just fucking shit. I, I, and, you know, I don't have to pay attention to all of these, but I kind of have to pay attention to all of these, you know? Of Especially course. Especially being someone that makes content about it. Right, exactly. Um, like, as a content creator, you see all those scheduled releases, and you're just like, <sighs> had some work yeah. to do. Yeah, because, I mean, they try and push this thing, like, this this rhetoric that oh not every product's for you but every product's for you because they're fucking magic cuts like that's what they're for uh, yeah absolutely and i think you know as as much as we um as much as we try to avoid talking about slippery slopes i think if exclusivity is something that you are purposefully willfully manufacturing into your game i don't even think that's a slippery slope i think you've outright already fucked up by that point I mean, that's what the model's built on. They just don't want to say it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you know what? We are we are so on the verge of of ranting here. Why don't we just segue neatly into, into topic number three? I call it the rant. It's your rant. What do you want to rant about? Ah! 
all the things we've just said, honestly, like just comparing a 40k Warhammer just games workshop in general to Magic the Gathering Wizards of the Coast, it's just it just feels so different. And I don't, you know, maybe I'm not entrenched enough in in Warhammer and with Games Workshop's practices to know all the bad shit they've maybe done. And, and you know the the feelings that other players have, and and how it comes across to the people that consume their 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 products, but it, it feels just a lot different. And like you said, like you pick your thing. Like I've picked Genestealer cults, and this is just that's that's kind of it for now. Unless I want to get into other armies and stuff, but that's my thing. Whereas with Magic, it's just everything is for you all the time. You have to buy this. This is a Magic card. You're a Magic player. You're going to feel compelled to buy this. We're going to make you feel like you have to buy this. <laughs> Um, whereas Games Workshop is like, you can buy these things specifically, yeah. and here is detailed exactly why you need to buy them. I think we could we could coin a new term applicable to Magic here. It's Schrodinger's desirability. It is both for yeah. you and not for you at the same time. Yeah, yeah these these hundred pound booster packs aren't for you, but you should probably buy them. Yeah. Like, that, that's that's how it works. So, so I, I guess you sort of you, you said yourself, you know, we kind of naturally slipped into what you were planning to rant about, um, and and that is you know kind of what's wrong or what you feel is wrong with Magic and what you feel is. Uh, present in Warhammer that, that, that feels like a break from that. But maybe maybe we could use this section instead to elaborate on the other half of that. You know, what is it about Warhammer specifically that as you've come into the hobby um, has made you feel, you know, less of that sense of pressure, less of that sense of the weight on your shoulders? You know, what is it about Warhammer that, that feels like a relief, feels like a place that you want to call home? There's no, there's no pressure to be competitive. There's no pressure to win at things and i guess that's not true when you're playing games and stuff you probably want to beat your friends playing warhammer right but there's no there's no pressure to keep up with everything mm -hmm. there's no pressure to do any specific things or engage with the hobby in a specific way which i think is really refreshing and i'm allowed to just they sort of present you with things and say you can do whatever you want with these things i think what it what it's always kind of boiled down to for me is the as, you know, as we've already discussed here, the the framework for magic is all built upon a foundation of competitiveness. Whereas, you know, Warhammer existed as a thing for a very long time before it even had a, a, a an actual competitive scene to speak of. Yeah. You know, even even up until I mean, you know, the, the last time I was really deeply in before I took a break was sort of around the early two thousands, around kind of four fifth edition sort of time. Um, and even back then, we had a Warhammer club at the local community hall, and there was like 40 guys, and tournaments would be held, but like, no one cared. It wasn't life or death for anyone. Yeah. You know, and, and, and absolutely, like nowadays, Warhammer 40k especially, and, and Age of Sigmar, you know, those games, they, they do have very active, very competitive tournament circuits. But, you know, we're not talking quarter of a million dollar prize pools like Magic the Gathering. You know, we're not talking like the people playing in these tournaments are literally making a living off of playing in these tournaments. Um, yeah. Even even like like I consume a fucking lot of Warhammer content, a lot of it, yeah. because it like you know much like you with magic content, it's my job. Like I have to try and know shit about stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I literally could not name a single competitive Warhammer player. I can't name one yeah. because 
it's just not at the front at the forefront of what the game is about it's not because those people's achievements don't matter or because they're not great players or because they're not deserving of any accolades it's just because the vast majority of warhammer players just aren't invested in tournament play they just want to chill and play their game and have a great time yeah I mean, that's that's the thing that has drawn me to it right like it's it's about the hobby more than it is about playing the hobby and i guess there's a distinction there to make like it's about being invested in the hobby and doing all the things that the hobby's about rather than playing a game to win. I guess the thing with Magic is it's, it's a very narrow thing like the hobby of Magic the Gathering can basically be encompassed by preparing to play the game and playing the game. Yeah. And you could you could say that there is a parallel there with Warhammer. You you could boil Warhammer down to both of those two things as well, preparing to play the game and playing the game. Yeah. But what you have to look at maybe is the split. You know, in, in Magic the Gathering, um, part of your preparation, you know, like say you're prepping for a tournament or whatever, you're going to play your deck to death on Arena or MTGO. You're going to analyze your mana base to death. You're going to draw a bunch of starting sevens and kind of see what the deck looks like and goldfish it. And, and a lot of that is kind of playing the game, just not really playing the game. Yeah. Whereas... The preparation side of Warhammer, even if you're going to a tournament, you know, you still got to build your 2,000 points. You've got to paint and base your 2,000 points. You know, by the time you've even arrived at the door of that tournament, your army has hours of you invested in it. Like, it's become a part of your life already by that point. And so the actual five or six hours that you're playing games in that tournament hall are a very minute part of your involvement with that army, of what that army's actually represented in your life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, yeah, magic cards, you assign value and sentimentality to them based on what they did when you were playing them. Mm -hmm. Whereas the minis, they're like, most of my attachment to them is the fact that I spent loads of time painting them, right, like building we, them and thinking about them. We literally name these fucking figures before they've even been in a battle. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, exactly. my, all, all of the character miniatures in my armies will usually have a name, like an in-universe yeah. name, before I've even played the first battle with them. Yeah, because you're more invested in that than you are in actually the playing, right? The right. playing is just a bonus a lot of the time. Yeah, the, the, the playing is almost just like, for me at least, and, I, and I, I am sure a lot of people share this sentiment, the playing is just an excuse to be in a room with other Warhammer nerds and chat about Warhammer. You know, if, yeah. if, if I was to go to, if I was to go to Warhammer World tomorrow to play Warhammer, I wouldn't give a shit whether I won or lost. I wouldn't even particularly care which army I took. I'd probably just take my word bearers because they're done and the rest of my armies on some level need some kind of work doing to them. Sure. What that day would be for me is a day out, hanging with people I like, drinking a whole fucking bunch of Pepsi Max and incidentally some Warhammer would get played during that time. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I, that's the feeling I had about Magic the Gathering for a long time and that feeling is no longer there and... I really feel like I'm gonna get that from Warhammer, uh, mm. especially you know speaking to people like like you who have experienced that. And, um, and I don't think we can lay blame at the feet of the players for feeling that way, because yeah. if it was if it was down to individuals' interpretations, we wouldn't be seeing so many people making this move right now. So many people. That's that's part of the push as well. It's just I mean, so many people on Twitter just being like, oh, I'm I'm doing this. I'm built. I've bought you know my first box of minis or whatever. And talking to people and most of the conversations i'm having with people which were historically about magic are now about warhammer and getting excited about that and there's so many people that i know personally or have seen at least 
online who were just moving to the hobby. And we're, we're, we're also talking here about like invested, you know, we're talking yeah. about magic content creators and stuff like people who are as in franchise with magic as you can get, you know, just straight off the top of my head, I can immediately think of like uh, Vince and Emma, you know, Pleasant Kenobi and Emma Partlow, two yeah. people that spring to mind immediately that I talk to a fair bit at the moment who both like, they love magic. They're really, they still, you know, are really invested in magic. Magic is still central to their everyday lives but they're having so much fun with Warhammer right now. It's so much of a breath of fresh air for them yeah. because it's just so different. Yeah, it is. And I, I understand that. And, you know, when, when they first, when they were first posting about it and I was talking to them about it, it was just like, um, oh, I don't really get it. I, like, I, I get it, but like, it's maybe it's not for me. And then I just thought about it some more and saw the, people just having so much fun and, po and like talking about a hobby with so much excitement and so much joy when I'd spoken to them before about magic, there was none of that excitement or joy left. And, and that's like the saddest thing. Cause I, I yeah. can, I can totally remember, you know, back I mean, at the time, I guess I'd have been in my mid twenties and you'd have been sort of in your early twenties or just about to kind of turn 20. So sort of back, back then, um, you know, we, we were younger than we are now. We had less responsibility than we have now. You, you were at uni. My job was a piece of piss. Like, I remember those days very fondly where mm -hmm. magic was such a, a light-hearted, inspiring, fun thing to do. And we would just get together and shoot the shit and play games of magic. And it was really, really nice. And something changed where, like, you just can't enjoy the game on that level anymore. There is not... Yeah. There's no incentive anymore to yeah. play the game for the sake of playing it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a tool at the end of the day. It was it was an excuse to go up and meet, meet up with people, like you were saying about, you know, going to Warhammer World or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. it, it was an excuse to just hang out with people that you liked, and you had that sort of, that fallback where if there's ever an awkward silence, you have something you can talk about, right? Right. Like there's, there's a shared interest that it's going to make it less awkward. Uh, and and that, was, that was the excuse. It was just like, I'm going to play Magic, but it's mainly I'm going to go hang out with my friends and do a thing I like. Yeah. Um, but now it's just it's moved so much and you know C commander was that where it's like the fun casual format but that's evolved to a point now where it, it's just been pushed and pushed and pushed where it just feels like another competitive format and there's no that there's none of that like fucking around having fun element to it anymore and, and, and i think you know there's been there's been a lot of talk especially on like mtg twitter recently about how um competitive magic players what uh, competitive commander players want a different thing from the game to casual commander players and the you know the two formats should be treated as separate things um and you know no one in the casual community should be pub stomping casual tables that isn't what they stand for um and whilst you know it, it's very easy for us to idealize about these things and to and to talk about these best case scenarios but the the truth on the floor in the real world is that at most stores and most gatherings of people playing magic, someone's going to walk away with a bad beat story because somebody turned up with a nine to a table full of sixes and just fucking obliterated them and made them all feel like shit. And it's like the, the idealism behind us wanting to treat competitive EDH and casual EDH as separate formats may well be there, but the game is being designed in a way where everything is just passively becoming so powerful now that unless you're actively trying to hold the power level of your decks down, yeah. you're, you're 
what you think is a, a six or a seven is probably a nine to those people that are just trying to play janky, stupid EDH. Yeah, there's no. I mean, I I I do that with my decks. Like, I have really really tuned decks, and like two of them are foiled out, and like because I put a lot of you know time and, and investment into them, and there aren't tutors in there, there aren't game winning combos in there. They're just really really powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's like having to just sort of mediate yourself based on someone, and you're still going to, like you say, you're still going to turn up and kick the shit out of someone because they weren't prepared for what you're bringing when you thought you were trying to play like a, a, a casual game, right? Um, and you don't get that with 40k. You right. turn up with stuff that's meant to be sort of paired together, and no one's going to have something that's going to, you know, certain certain games you're just going to get bullied out of the game, but you're going to be able to do something. You know, the, the the thing is, like within a tournament structure, kind of much like with Magic. As part of your due diligence and your analysis and your preparation for a tournament, you should kind of have a rough idea of what you're going to be coming up against anyway, and your list should be built to tackle that. But something that happens in Magic quite commonly, for example, is say like, I don't know, uh, you've organized a four pod of Commander, and you're waiting for player three and four to turn up, and so it's just player one and two sat at the table, and they're like, oh, should we just jam some standard while we wait for them, them folks to show up sort of thing? And... How many times have you been in that situation? I know I've been in that situation plenty of times. It's a very common thing to occur. And so you pull out your 60-card piece of shit FNM deck that is literally just you playing standard cards you like, and you're one of the better players at FNM, so you can kind of leverage your skill and you can afford to play slightly worse decks. And they pull out, like, the best-tier deck in the format. It's like... that doesn't happen in casual games of 40k you know if, if you tell your friend oh let's meet and play on sunday you know i'm gonna bring 2k of word bearers they'll be like oh what's your list like and i'll be like you know i'll take you know one of these one of those one of these one of those and they'll be like oh, okay yeah no i'll make sure i don't take the three riptides in my towel list because that'll probably be a bit beardy and like they'll deliberately want to play something that's going to lead to a good game not a whitewash like yeah. in, in in 40k it's considered actively dissatisfying to table your opponent on turn two. Like, that's that's, that's something that you're seeking to not occur in a game. You're, you're actually actively yeah. trying to make sure that if that game is allowed to go for five turns, you at least get to play three or four of them as good competitive turns. Yeah, I mean, as well, like, you're also doing things on all of those turns. Yeah. There's, games, there's, there's turns of Magic where you're just doing fuck all. And your, your opponent's essentially taking, like, five, six turns in a row, and you're doing nothing. Whereas is... Um, Generally, just by by nature of how it works, it's a much more active game compared to Magic. And actually, interestingly, within war games at the moment, there's a bit of a sort of um, there's a bit of a sort of fracturing, or a, a, you know, maybe a, a slight schism occurring, where people have played games like Necromunda and Kill Team, where they use an even more active system, where uh, a round actually involves both players alternate in taking action. So it's like, I move a mini, you move a mini, I shoot a mini, you shoot a mini, that kind of thing. Um, And in games like that, you're never inactive for more than like 10 seconds. It's basically constant play. And players who love games like that consider games like 40K and Aos to be really, really slow. But when you come from a game like Magic, where you can literally be actually sat for real life 10 minutes waiting for your turn... And I'm not talking about in like a commander game. I'm talking about like in a tournament, you could be sat 10 minutes waiting for your turn. Yeah. And like that, when you go from that to 40K, where you get to do something like every minute or so. Yeah. 
at the worst, maybe every 30 seconds, if you've got to like make some saving throws or, you know, roll for an explosion or whatever. It's like, it feels so much more fast paced, so much more involved. You feel like part of that game. Absolutely. You're, you're always at least some level of active in the game, like yeah. active participant in a game that's happening, not just sitting there letting things happen to you. And I, I, I think another difference that I really enjoy, and I, I don't know how much you've played so far and how, how you'll feel about this, but Warhammer, because it's you know a 3D battlefield with terrain and play pieces, your ability to kind of get in and out of that terrain and visualize angles and predict where things are going to be and your your ability to sort of analyze items in space and understand how they might interact is something you get to be rewarded for. Your ability to, to physically visualize things is something that you get to be rewarded for. And that to me is really interesting because there aren't really any other games I can think of where that happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's it's just one of the many things about the game that makes it so appealing. Like, <laughs> There's so many different parts of it um, that are just so much more interesting than sitting with a handful of cards. And like, don't get me wrong, I, I am sure you would agree when I say that neither of us wants this episode to be Warhammer's Great Magic Shit, because I don't think that's no, what either of us are trying to say. No, 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 not at all. I think, I think it's, for me personally, I personally feel, in terms of my life, magic is a bit shit, and I personally feel like Warhammer's a lot better suited for me. That doesn't mean the game's worse or one game's better. It's just where I am in my life, I guess. I think the, th the thing that I've realized is perhaps that whilst I love magic, I think magic is bad for me. Yeah, I think probably. I think magic promotes very toxic behaviors in me. In, in someone like me, being exposed to that kind of environment brings out the worst in me. Yeah. And I feel like um, it, it encourages my, my negativity and, and things about me that I don't want to be part of my personality. Whereas conversely, I feel like Warhammer encourages my creativity, my encouragement of others, my raising up of others, you know, my communication skills, things like that. All the things that I want to be good at. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, magic has made me feel a lot of things that I don't want to feel. Which, when you think about, you know, a children's card game... It shouldn't be the case. Kind of, it's kind of fucking dumb. Like, And it's made me act in ways that I don't like about myself, and it's just sort of part of, you know, the heat of the moment, I guess. Um, and I've acted like a dickhead when I didn't want to, and that's yeah, not, yeah. at least I try not to make it part of who I am. Um, and yeah, I haven't found that with with Warhammer at least yet. Maybe maybe I'll be like a proper dickhead when it comes to games, and I'll be like rolling with an iron fist. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing is, you know, you can you can certainly get salty when it comes to Warhammer. You can get spiky when it comes to Warhammer, but. These things are so not commonplace in the culture of those games yep. that you will very quickly realize how much negative attention you're drawing to yourself and you'll just pack it the fuck in. You know? It's, it's, it's kind of one of the greatest things about the game is that it actively encourages you. And this is completely by design of the community, not the game itself. But it actively encourages you to just check yourself. Yeah. And like, we all need to check ourselves every now and again and, you know, yeah. ask ourselves, like, am I being a dick or? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's just, well, we've listed so many reasons why I'm so much more interested in pursuing Warhammer than I am magic at the moment. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's move on. Because we've, we've got a mailbag section uh, fairly shortly coming up as well with a few interesting oh. questions that, that may keep us chatting for a few minutes. So let's quickly, uh, let's quickly steam into the fourth main section of the cast uh, where I ask you what's coming up from you, Sam. So uh, what's, uh, what's coming up then, man? What's, what's coming up? 
<laughs> mainly painting. Mainly painting. Mainly painting. <laughs> yeah. How much more have you got left to do? So let me count. So I've got four. I've got five that I've got the base coat on, which I finished about three minutes before we started recording. Uh, and then I've got the bridge runner, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, six minis left to do to finish my five hundred points, which I can probably crack out in the next couple of days. Sure. Sure. Um, I'm just, I'm just doing that. I just want to get them on a table, you know. We've and got, we've got a game planned for the twelfth. I was about to say, have you played a game with them yet? No, I have watched people play games. I've watched about five games. Okay. Of people playing, um, and tried to wrap my head around it. I guess. Sure. So, you know, I still, like I said, I still need to learn the game. Um, I've not actually played yet. Um, and like I said, it's planned for what nine days time. To actually play. I mean, hopefully we can maybe make it a bit sooner <laughs> just get, get and start playing um but yeah i want to i mean people be really sad if i'd spent all this time painting because i mean i take uh obviously they're not like your level or the level of some people's minis that i've seen but i take i take the painting very seriously i want them to look good of course uh, i want to try the best that i can um, and, and, and don't get me wrong you know I, I, it, it, it's as, as lovely as it is for you to to compliment my painting even if it is just in passing <laughs> it has to be said for for someone with quite a limited level of painting of, of painting experience. You've been posting progress pics in my Discord almost every day, and yep. you're like you literally visibly see level ups day to day. You know, like your painting is is there is absolutely nothing that makes me believe that at some point in the future you're going to look at your work and be like so fucking proud of it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I am trying. I'm, I'm trying hard. Like I, I don't. Also, like you know, I've spent money on these things, so right, like, yeah. if I just to slap some fucking paint on. I'd, I wouldn't feel right about it. And you know, I've got to look at them. And, and I mean, I know no one's gonna, well, not many people are gonna pick up my models and inspect the paint job I've done. But I want. It, I am kind of proud of some of these. I think they look cool. Um, I mean, it's a. It's a miracle what some shades will do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when, when you first start, I think um, Citadel shades in particular are, are very helpful for not just, you know, helping your miniatures to look better, but also just for helping you understand what depth and contrast and shadow should look like. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, because yeah. as, you, as you journey later into your painting experience, you know, there are... There are situations now for me, for example, where I actually prefer not to use a wash. I prefer to do what I call manually shading, which is where I'll, I'll base coat the entire area in whatever color the shadow is, and then work up both the midtones and the highlights on top of that with solid paints. Um, and then there's just certain things that I think it works better on. Uh, capes are a good example of that. I tend to not really like using liquid shades on capes because they they have like ridges and big wide flat areas mixed together. And so you end up with like really, really deep shading in all of the ridges and then like just tea stains on the flat areas. So for me, it just, yeah. it's just easier to work it all up from a dark color all the way through the midtones and up to the highlights. But you'll notice the, uh, the majors that I, uh, that I posted in your discord. Yeah. Um, that I painted with a really nice face. Only, yeah. You notice that I only put the front on. Because the back's got a big fucking section of robe, <laughs> and I put a wash in it, and I really fucked that. Up. Yeah, right, um, but but this yeah. is, but this is the thing is using those washes. It does get it into your head, like okay, so now I understand what that should look like. At least I understand, you know, what the blue on the midtone should be, what the blue on the shadow should be, and what the blue on the highlight should be. And if I do want to now try and actually manually paint that without using a wash, at least I kind of get it now. You know, so I'm trying not to use it as a crutch, I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. I think it's like I've I've washed on the like a 
a, a dark green i've just put normal on a dark green and mm -hmm. it just makes the color look nice i'm not really using it to to do shading and stuff it just makes it look nicer uh, so I'm, I'm trying to use them as tools rather than as a crutch i'll tell you I, I i spent the longest time like actively trying to avoid using known oil because yeah. it is it's so addictive how you can put it over almost anything and it looks better yeah, it just looks better. Yeah, definitely. you know, and I'm not saying I'm not saying it looks great. I'm not saying that you can put non oil over anything and win a fucking Slayer sword. What yeah. I'm, but what I'm saying is that it's this bizarre shade that because it's so good at finding recesses, but stains surfaces so little. Doesn't really matter what you put it on. It gives it that kind of black line, sort of '90s miniature painting kind of look to it, and that's cool. It's like you know, everyone likes that look. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but I mean that's what I've what I've enjoyed finding from it. It's just, just putting it on. Like, oh, that looks a lot better than when I base coated it. <laughs> right. So the, um, the painting journey is definitely providing some uh, some solid inspiration at the moment. Then. Yeah, I'm learning things and like what to put on top of stuff and where to put and just working on my brushwork as well. Yeah, like, there's, there's a little uh, neophyte with goggles, and I managed the first time just put the the brass cutter straight on the goggles with no no uh, marks on the skin or anything. I was like, fuck, I've done it. Yeah, completed it, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, the amount of serotonin that I get just from painting these little fucking guys. Oh, I, I feel you. And, and trust me, that does not change. Like, yeah, uh, I, so weirdly, I don't, I don't want to sidetrack too much here, but I, I actually thought that I'd been into Warhammer for about 25 years. I thought I was about nine or 10 when I got into it. And actually it was my eldest brother who recently told me by commenting on one of my YouTube videos that I've actually been involved in the hobby since I was six years old in 1991. So 29 years I've been doing this now, painting miniatures yeah, yeah. that is. And like even earlier today, I have a, a Terminator captain here that I'm currently working on at the minute. And I was going around all of his gemstones. And when I paint gemstones, normally I do them the old fashioned way where you manually sort of paint a shadow, paint a highlight, paint a reflection. Yeah. But I didn't want to do that because this army I'm trying to just kind of paint to battle ready. There's a couple of armies that I want to do quite posh and a couple of armies that I just kind of want to do battle ready. This army I'm trying to just do to sort of battle ready, not really push them too far. So I decided to do the old paint the gemstone silver and then put the red gemstone paint over it. The red, I can't even remember what it's called now. It's one of the stone paints, soul yeah. stone blue and all of that. <laughs> yeah. um, and the, those paints, so they're, they're kind of gloopy. They've got a bit of gloss varnish mixed into them. Well, they've got hard coat mixed into them, essentially. Um, so they're kind of quite hard to control. And there's a real knack to just like placing them on the thinnest part of the gem and just kind of dragging them down to the thickest part in one swoop. And even still now, you know, 29 years after I painted my first miniature, when I go through that Terminator Captain and every single one of those gemstones is perfect, Ding! Little serotonin yeah. spike up the back of the it's neck. So satisfying. It's so satisfying. And I mean, like, taking it back to magic, like, what's a comparison? Like, oh, the shiny card I bought off the internet arrived in the post. Yeah, I, I learned to kill a shuffle. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the comparison is just nothing. Yeah. There's so much more joy in just, like, creating something and getting it right. And, and, and I guess that's, that's where, um, I suppose, if we, if we were to kind of draw a line under that whole sort of magic versus warhammer why i love one more than the other kind of conversation yeah, sure. the thing is that um everything in magic you can find a parallel to in warhammer yeah. but you can't find a parallel in everything that's in warhammer within magic 
Absolutely not. That, that, that's that's the difference. Is like everything that you get from Magic, you can get from Warhammer, but you cannot get from Magic a lot of the stuff that you do get from Warhammer. Yeah, definitely, and that's something I've been really excited to find out. <laughs> so you're looking forward to, to getting the rest of that army painted. Is there anything else that you sort of got your eye on at the moment? Are there any other miniatures maybe that you're thinking about picking up or not? Not really. Uh, I mean, I've got a shitload, honestly, <laughs> that I've just I've just got for like readying for um, building bigger points armies. Sure. Um, none of the none of the models really speak to me as much as the Gene Studder cults, honestly. Um, I mean, loads of models are cool. Like I said, like loads of the fantasy and like Age of Sigmar models are really mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's nothing I'd want to pick up at the moment, but I. You know, if I'm if I'm in a, a game shop at some point and I just see a cool model, I might just buy it. <laughs> so, have you been introduced to the Emperor's Children yet? No. Okay. Okay. If I were to say to you, space, uh, Chaos Space Marine Legion, who dress entirely in black and pink, and one of their specialist troop types carries a guitar into battle that deafens its opponents to death. Okay, that's pretty cool. Does that sound attractive to you? <laughs> yeah, sounds yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah, I think uh, if I was to know knowing you as much as I do, I think if I was to point you in the direction of anything next, it would yeah. probably be Emperor's Children. I think that's okay. that's good the place know. I would point you. And, and also, I mean, they're the legion that were responsible for killing Rabute Gilliman, so you you know you get sure. to be proud of that. Well, yeah, I mean, as soon as we finish recording, I'm definitely just going to go look at loads of pictures in Google. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Right, uh, let's let's begin this mailbag because uh, I have a feeling at least one or two of the questions in this mailbag could be a little bit lengthy. So let's okay. uh, put the bumper up for the next section and head into the mailbag, shall we? Hmm. Mailbag. Uh, so, the first question in the mailbag comes from the very person we mentioned earlier, Emma Partlow. Yes. And she asks, from your experiences, what advice would you give to someone starting the Warhammer hobby new? Find people to talk to about it. Uh, going in blind is terrifying. <laughs> Find some people who, I mean, to be fair, like if you have a group of you who are all going in blind, that might be quite fun. Uh, which is kind of what I've got going on, but I've also got you know people like you uh, to to speak to. Um, just just ask questions of people. Don't just assume you know what's going on. Like, There's actually um, there was a YouTube channel who they kind of did that recently. Uh, Magic Art Views Fly. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. There's a very it's a massive YouTube channel. Sure. Um, they, they were a group of friends, and I think one of them already played, but the other three didn't. Yeah. And they they just did this thing where basically there was like no budget limit, just build whatever army you want. We're going in blind. We're learning everything that we can about the hobby from scratch. And it ended up becoming like a whole series of videos. And it's so much fun just seeing the excitement of these people that have gone from knowing nothing to like doing yeah, all yeah. this research and figuring it all out and getting their minis and painting their minis. And, and it's all just gearing towards having this massive game of 40k together. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's one of the things that's fun about it. Like, find other. I mean, that's one of the best things about any hobby, really, is finding other people that you can talk to about it and get excited with. Right. Yeah. Um, once, once you've got people to share your enthusiasm with, you sort of unlock yeah. kind of a big part of what's satisfying about the hobby in, in the first place. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. Like, one of the main things is to find someone else who either can hold your hand through it, I guess, if you have questions, 
uh, or someone that will learn with you. Like going it alone is kind of intimidating and terrifying, really. And, uh, and I think if I was if I was asked the same question, I, I would probably say something very similar to you, actually. Uh, but I think the the only sort of thing that I would maybe staple onto the end of that is, um, regardless of of who is helping you get into the hobby, where you're getting your enthusiasm and your information from, set about doing the hobby for yourself because Warhammer is so much more individual than a lot of other hobbies. Um, understand that you are directly rewarded with Warhammer based on how much you personally put in and invest. Um, and, and so, you know, be willing to do things based on your own thoughts and feelings and and your preferences and your desires because ultimately once you let go of whatever hand is guiding you that's what you're going to be building your hobby around yeah yeah definitely um i, I mean it is it is oh God, it's just one of the good things about it it's, it's it's an individual hobby as well as it is a community hobby yeah at the end of the day and i think one of the best things is like finding like, like a discord or something somewhere to post your minis where you can get feedback or just absolutely feedback. yeah it's, yeah it's, it's, and, and from a range of skill levels and experience as well you yeah know, so that like n nobody wants to be in that discord where like everybody else is a 10 year seasoned veteran and you're posting your minis when you've just started painting and they're posting fucking masterpieces every couple of days and it's like yeah. you know and it, it's it's disheartening you want you know you want a community where there's lots of different skill levels and there's lots of advice going around and you know lots of people to just listen to you um, and, and that kind of, you know, that really does set you up to be able to find what you like and to do what yeah. you want to do. Definitely. I mean, you just learn off other people. It's been, it's been one of the, 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 the most fun things is to just, oh, I haven't thought about that or I didn't know about that or I hadn't considered it in terms of what I'm doing. Like you just learn so much just speaking to other people about it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, right. I've got, uh, I've got a good one here from, uh, Greg. Greg asks, do you have any personalized law for your armies? And if so, what is it? Not, not yet. Um, I just, the, the law for Gene to the Cults is just so cool anyway. Right. I don't want to sully it. <laughs> with my own, the, with my the, own the way they kind of infest these mining colonies and. Yeah. I mean, the way that, the way that I guess a Gene to the Cult starts is kind of gross, but it's 40k. So all of it's kind of gross and objectionable. Yeah. yeah there, <laughs> there are no good guys in 40k. Again, another one of the very attractive things about it. There is no morality in 40k. That's the turn into the good guys, right? Well, I mean, they, they literally want to consume everything. They yeah. are, they are essentially a macro virus. They're immoral. They don't give a shit. <laughs> they just want to go around eating stuff. That's the good guy, right? Comparatively. Um, but yeah, there's no, I've, I've got, I'm, I'm sure I will at some point. Um, but I'm just enjoying knowing what I like finding out what I can about genes to the cults and just how cool they are. And the fact they just pick up random shit and start fighting with it. Like the abominant with the improvised weapon. Just like, I found a signpost. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. beat you to death. But the, like, the, the most so attractive cool. thing to me about Gene Steeler Colts is that they are essentially just normal downtrodden folk who, mm -hmm. thanks to some slightly extraordinary events, are now in a position to kind of take the power back. Yeah. You know, they, they are, they're the anarchists of, uh, of the 40k universe, I guess. They're the punk rockers of yeah. the 40k universe. Yeah, that's, that, that definitely aligns with me, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> as, yeah. As you know, they're, 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 they're anti-establishment and they're, they're purposefully different. And that's kind of, that's kind of rad. You know, we like a lot of us were that kid at some point, And that's an easy thing to identify with. 
Yeah, and they fight with, you know, rock swords that they found. Yeah, like, yeah, like, just cool. this is what's available to me, so this is what I'm going to kill you with. Yeah, it's not like a polished sort of, like, some kind of religious weapon that, you know, is, is really important. The to holy bolter. Exactly, like, you're going to die. Like, yeah. <laughs> found it. it's, it's just what, it's what's so cool about them. Um, and, yeah, like, I'll, I'll probably assign some kind of uh, anthropomorphized personalities to, 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 my, to my guys at some point, but there's nothing I'm really into yet. Like I said, I'm just trying to paint... Um, and get them looking as cool as I want them to. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. One one goal at a time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, sure. think I'm like, don't want to dive too far headfirst into it. All right. So this this next question, I actually I really really like this question because it's something that I often wonder about other people. Uh, TJ mm -hmm. asks us, "What's your go to background noise, music, show? What you know? What do you put on while you're hobbying?" It's mainly it's mainly music. Uh, I did try to watch like youtube and stuff or just put on for tv shows but i get really annoyed that i can't pay attention properly mm -hmm. and it was the same with same with podcasts um is i just uh, because i'm obviously paying attention to the thing it was the same with uh while i'm playing video games like putting on podcasts and stuff i wasn't focusing on the whatever i was engaging with yeah um so i was either engaging too much in the podcast and, and being shit at the hobby or the or the video game or i was being shit at listening to the podcast so i didn't lose points point putting it on or like watching the youtube and stuff for sure um so it's mainly just music because I can really engage with um, with the hobby that I'm doing in painting, and I don't have to draw my attention anywhere else. It's just sort of background noise. Um, so it's it's mainly the sort of like chill stuff I don't have to pay attention to. So like a lot of post rock stuff. Um, been listening to a lot of Julian Baker recently because it's just sort of like nice chill mellow stuff I can listen to in the background that isn't distracting me, but it's also not like a deathly weird silence. <laughs> but I can't, I can't focus on two things at once. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, I get it because it's such a stark contrast to myself when I paint. Um, when I paint, I either listen to heavy metal, which is probably the last genre of music that people would think of putting on while they're painting. Um, or I like to, I like to watch uh, battle reports because um, the way I actually paint because of my ADHD, I force myself to basically paint for 10 minutes, stop for five minutes, paint for 10 minutes, stop for five minutes. And I sort yeah, of work yeah. in this constant cycle. So just yeah. sort of that look up every five minutes, I can kind of, I'm listening to what's going on on the board and I can kind of just visually check it every now and again when I take those little stops. So yeah. in, interestingly, what works perfectly for me would be the literal nightmare for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did try for a bit. Um, and putting stuff on but it was also like if i was putting on videos and they were like 20 30 minutes long i'd have to like go and find another video and, like, of course yeah, yeah. Whereas if i just put like an album on um or like a playlist you can just play You're good for like, hours yeah. yeah exactly play for, like, five I mean, hours the, the thing is video. like it feels thematic to like put a law video on or a battle report or something so like it i can understand why for most people that would be sort of the first thing you'd think of putting on but i could also yeah. absolutely get why that's the last thing you'd want on because yeah, it, for sure it's going to be distracting of course it will be yeah i mean to be fair if you put on something like this will destroy you it's pretty thematic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like 10 minute you know crescendo post-rock songs while you're painting some little space aliens like it's pretty cool that's that sounds yeah. okay to me that sounds okay to me yeah. I like stuff that doesn't just distract me from what I'm doing because I can't pay attention to either properly, and that just means either my hobby's crap or I'm not. It's point I'm going to have to watch the video. Yeah, you're like you're either not doing it or you're doing it badly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. I'm going to have to do one of them again. Right. Uh, last question, Sam. Exalted asks, "What drew you into the faction that you decided to collect? Why Gene Steeler Colts?" 
I've, I mean, I've already kind of been through it, right? They're we just touched on cool. it. We touched on it, but take a few minutes. Explain to us in some detail. So, they're just so fucking cool. So when I like finally snapped and was like, yeah, sure, okay, I'm gonna do 40k. Um, uh, I was talking to one of my friends, um, and I was like, oh, where do you think I should start? You know, like like I said, like talk to someone so you're not just going in fucking blind. Um, and he was like, well, I do have um, two Gene Stiller cult halves of the Deathwatch Overkill box. I was like, okay, would you be willing to part with those? Because, you know, that's an easy way in, right? If someone just has, like, a bunch of models. Of course, yeah. It's how a lot of us start. Yeah. Uh, and then I just started looking them up and looking at pictures of the minis. And the minis are fucking cool. Like, um... I, I actually, if, we, if we're just talking cool points, yeah. I genuinely do believe that for, for my aesthetic taste, GSC yeah. is, the, is currently the coolest line that GW makes. Of, yeah, of all the games that they produce and of all the factions within those games GSC are literally visually my number one they're incredible like that they just look so I was looking through all these things and then he was talking to me about the fact that you know they just find weapons and fight with them and then like convert mining vehicles into battle tanks and stuff um, and they ride war bikes and it's all very Mad Max and it's just like that it's just really cool it's very different to like the idea that I had of 40k where it was like space marines and you know tyranids and it's like all very like sort of high science fiction um kind of archetypal and then there's just these like weird guys who try and infest planets and yeah. whatever they can to murder their opponents like, it's, it's such a weird thing because like if you actually like G gw uses grim dark as the descriptor for what it is yeah. um and when you actually try and kind of figure out what what is grim dark well its heritage is in things like 2000 AD, um, which is very kind of post-apoc, dust punk kind of thing. It, it's very Mad Max. Um, that's where it pulls a lot of its influence from. But then, you know, the lens that they spin it through, it has this kind of high sci-fi element. It has this kind of gothic horror sort of element to it. Um, but then, you know, you've got things like the Tau that are fucking communist fish cow gundam people do you know what i mean like communist fish cow gundam people that's that's yeah, the yeah. town like yeah. there is there's so many influences darting in from so many angles like i genuinely do not believe that there is that there's not a flavor in 40k that would suit every single nerd yeah absolutely yeah and that's the thing i, I never really found that sort of niche um before uh, i mean i didn't really take that much of a look because I was never planning on getting into it but I was like oh what if I did play what would I what would I play and I never saw much affinity this is why like when I was just randomly picking up models they were mainly fantasy models yeah yeah because um, I really like wood elves like I just you know elves are cool right yeah um, so when I saw these gene cynicals and also had the opportunity to just get a shitload of models in one go um, it was just like a perfect sort of a, a perfect sort of combination and the, the models are just really cool like the acolytes just look sweet I just think they look really cool um, I, I love the way that you can sort of track different stages of yep. mutation uh, through like you yeah. know like the aberrants and the uh, acolytes are sort of quite heavily mutated and then yeah. the neophytes are kind of barely mutated and then yeah. you look at you look at things like the um brood lord yeah who's just a gene who's stealer. basically just a gene stealer with a big brain yeah 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 um the patriarch i guess is the is the one right yeah where it's just it's just a, just a gene stealer but yeah you've got like the, the neophytes that look like normal people with a few ridges on their forehead. <laughs> with quite big foreheads, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they look generally like normal guys. Uh, and then you've got the neophytes who, like, um, uh, their face has changed slightly and maybe they've grown another arm. Um, and then you've got the acolytes who are definitely weird and then just 
the aberrants, which are horrible mutant hulking beasts. Um, and then you've got like actual actual gene stealers, and there's that like really cool progression. Um, it's of, almost like the the evolution of mankind diagram, where you've got the side on of like the yeah, monkey yeah. and the ape and the gorilla and the Neanderthal, and you yeah, know, absolutely. you you, you kind of get to witness that whole chain of evolution throughout your army. Yeah, uh, and then like as I went through, and I mean like I I think the law's really cool anyway. I think like just it's just we don't. We, we just want to take over a planet, right? <laughs> like, yeah. that's basically all they care about. And then when they succeed in doing that, they get eaten and murdered by Tyranids. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was entirely fruitless. It's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's like, um, you know, like most factions in Warhammer, the sort of, the linchpin of, of the why they do the things that they do is grounded in a sort of type of religion. And I think pretty much every faction in Warhammer sort of leans on something that feels a bit like religion. You know, obviously, you know, with the Tao, they sort of tried to go for more of a sort of Taoism, Buddhism kind of approach than an actual religious kind of doctrine. But but if you if you look at each faction and how it's represented, they all sort of come from some sort of faith. Um, yeah. But very much sort of built into the gene stealer cult's law is that like oh their shit is entirely false like they're worshiping this four-armed emperor you know this like vision of, of a god from the skies and what's totally going to happen is gene stealers are going to turn up and eat them all it's, it's like you know they're, they're doomed by by design and that's just cool <laughs> like but they're just fighting regardless yeah, like provide weapons they found. It, it makes them so much more interesting. You know, they're they're this sort of cobbled together faction of capable but not particularly trained fighters. They're using improvised weapons, improvised vehicles, and they're they're dangerous purely because of their belief in their cause and their slightly weird mutant powers. Yeah, it's just it's a lot. It's just a lot of fun, um, and some of the minis are really fucking cool. Like the Kelomorph, three-armed gunslinger. I love that miniature so much. It's just so cool. I have no idea if it's good on the table, but fuck me if it isn't a sweet miniature. I think it's pretty good, because you get six shots, and then you get each one that hits, you get another shot. Oh, is it like exploding sixes? Like every time you roll a six to hit, you get another shot? I think so, yeah, but it can't go like infinite. But, um, yeah, yeah, the explosions don't explode. Yeah. I think it's actually it's actually quite good. Um, but yeah, it's just cool. It's like a guy with like a cape, looks kind of like a cowboy with just three arms. And it's three like arms. a isn't he? Is he wearing a cape or a duster coat? I feel like he combination of the two. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I think it's like a duster coat. Um, maybe. Yeah, and then you've you've got like just, just all of them are just so cool, and um, you've got you know. I've got to be real with you, like, even if that miniature isn't good on the table, I'm definitely it. buying one. Like, a thousand oh, yeah. percent buying one. Yeah, well, it's not part of my current 500 point list, and maybe it won't make it into, like, a thousand point list or whatever, but I still want one. It's just yeah. really cool. Wait, I mean, how, much, got... how much even is it in points? It can't be that much. It's a single GSC miniature. It... Well, it's a gene stealer. Like, it can't be that much. Yeah. Um, I mean, but... I, you know, I, I, I suppose we, we live in an era where there are all sorts of very weird, cheesy things that happen in Warhammer, you know, Imperial Guard, for example, have a competent Psyker unit that they can take that's 15 points per model. Yeah. It's like, that's pretty ridiculous. Not because it lets you cast a Smite or a, you know, another Psychic Power, but that's a Psychic Denial that you get on the board for 15 points. And that's big yeah. game in, against a lot of armies. You know, yeah. when we consider that, like, the top-tiered army at the moment is looking like it's probably Death Guard... And Death Guard are a very psychic power-heavy army. 
every miniature you've got on the table that can put out a deny is like a really important resource right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I just have a bunch of guys with guns. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got you've got a Magus in your list, right? So you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you've got some psychic denial there. So you know, yeah, you, you're covered. Yeah, uh, I mean, and then I have like guy in full mining gear who looks like an astronaut wearing a quad bike, wielding a monkey wrench. Oh, like, the, the Atalan jackal on the quad. Yeah, I, I that love not? that miniature. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's just like he's got like the full mining gear on because all of their armor is improvised mining gear, which is just really good. They're like, oh, this this will probably deflect a few bullets and swords. Sure, I'll wear this. Yeah, like and he's it's... got like, full home helmet on, like he's an astronaut on just a regular ass quad bike that you go around mines in, and his only weapon is a wrench. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Yeah, and it just looks so cool. I think you know if you really want to go for the sort of full council estate effect, you <laughs> you spray that quad bike in like some sort of really shit luminous green color, and you have a Tesco bag full of tinnies hanging off the back of it. I'm absolutely doing that. That sounds great. Yeah, I think that's the thing that <laughs> yeah. needs to be done. They're just they're just so cool, and the 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 laws cool, and the minis are cool. Um, it's just something I just had a natural affinity with. Because like, I'd looked at other things and I was like, oh, Necrons are, I guess they're kind of cool and they're kind of boring. Oh, Tyranids are kind of cool, but they look a bit boring and they all look a bit samey for me. And like, I really enjoy painting like different miniatures that have interesting bits on them. And like, I just saw Gene Sidicolts and was just like, yeah, that seems really cool. Well, like, so, sometimes though, isn't that just what we want from a game? We just want something yeah. that we don't need to really ask too many questions. We just kind of take a look at it and it just clicks with us. And it's like, yeah. this yeah, is what like, I want to be doing in this game. Yeah, and there's, you know, I've, I've painted them purple. They're big purple space aliens. Like, perfect. Yeah, absolutely yeah. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I think with that, Sam, my dear friend, we are probably about drawing to a close. So as we go into the end of the show, uh, I do like to just take a few minutes uh, to ask you if you have any shout outs, any plugs you want to do. Obviously, we will link anything that you want to link in the description of the video. So take the mic for a second and just have a shout out and plug in session as you see fit. Oh, I always feel bad when I get to the section on any kind of content that I'm on, because I don't have much. Um, <laughs> if, if you're interested in listening to my Magic the Gathering podcast, it's uh, Hour of Devastation. Uh, just put in SoundCloud or Spotify or iTunes. Uh, you can find it there. We just talk about magic at the moment. It's just like, why are there so many fucking spoilers all the fucking time? <laughs> stuff? Um, yeah, it's, it's just two really nice folk that, that just want to have a whinge about magic at the moment, isn't it? That's it, kind of... It's really good, because I'm like, I'm like the negative energy. And I'm just like, everything's a bit shit. And then um, my co-host, Joe, is just like, oh, maybe we should put a positive spin on it because no one likes doom and gloom all the time. I'm like, no, it's all shit. Yeah, so the sky is falling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's how I live, the, live my life in this world. Um, if you want to listen to that, you can find it there. And uh, you can also just follow me on Twitter, I guess, is my other place. Yeah, you, you have a good Twitter brand. It's pretty, it's pretty strong. I mean, at the moment, it's just um, politics uh, and miniatures. Uh, look, I have all the time in the world for a Twitter account that posts photographs of miniatures and calls fashy people <laughs> If you're doing those things, I'm fine with your content. Yeah, it's just shouting about how much I hate uh, right-wing fascists and, and TERFs. And uh, just, oh, look at this cool alien I painted. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much my entire brand. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Right. Sweet. On that note, then, uh, the only other custom that I like to end the show on is I like to take a minute just to stare creepily into the camera and wave at it as we say goodbye. So oh, thank cool. you, everybody who has watched or listened to this. Of course, the audio format will be made available around the same time that this goes up on Patreon as well. So everybody will get access to this and we'll get to hear our lovely ramblings. And uh, until the next one, folks, see you around. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>